Amen. Thank you, Brother Randy. Now, in this 17th Psalm, as I've said, they've already instructed me to keep it down tonight because of other things that are going on, and I will. I'll do my best. But uh, the 17th Psalm, and this is another one of those Psalms where the whole Psalm is dedicated to David's prayer. I shared with you parts of David's prayer that were really short and uh, just in word, and even one message I shared with you that just our desire, and the Lord certainly knows what we're thinking, He knows what's on our mind and our heart, and uh, I brought out the wonderful uh, uh, thought that we don't always have to verbalize that prayer, the Lord is reading our hearts if we have a personal relationship with Him. But then I also brought out that there were lengthy prayers of David. And, uh, and I'll say this again. It's one of the things that we learn, especially in studying the Psalms, is prayer. Because so much of it was prayer that was turned into, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, into songs. Psalms were songs that were sung. And David was the author of many of them. And so I just wanted to call your attention. The verse that stood out to me was verse 8. But I want to call your attention. He starts out in verse 1. Hear the right. O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. So he starts the psalm that way. Feigned lips are fake. And so it's, it's some, some thought that we might speak things, and we may speak things hypocritically or fake or whatever in conversation, but it's just hard to imagine ever anybody ever thinking about doing that in praying to the Lord, being anything other than absolutely sincere in what we say. So that's how he starts the psalm. And then what I intended to share was verse 7 through 9. And I'll focus on those verses. He says, Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that saveth by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee for those that rise up against them. Thee from those that rise up against them. And verse 8 was going to I wanted to focus on, keep me as the apple of thine eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wing, from the wicked that oppress me, from the deadly enemies who compass me about. Now, of course, the thought that came to my mind related to this is the keeping power of God. And if you think about it, a lot of our prayers to the Lord, a lot of them are for that very thing. Lord, watch over me. Lord, protect me. Lord, keep me in your will. And even when we're praying for other people, if we pray, for example, for our children, our grandchildren, our young people or whatever, we especially burden some time for the Lord to watch over them. Just watch over them. We do that. I know that you all are like myself, and for years I have two boys, and now I've got five grandchildren, 
And of course, I've always felt like that the primary responsibility in my praying for other people is to pray for my immediate family, for my wife and for my boys and for their wives and for my grandchildren and then more on and on and on. And certainly I'd be wrong if I stopped with uh, that little inner circle, my four. Sometimes I use this term, my four and no more. And we, we, don't, we don't pray beyond that. But I, I know from my own personal experience that a lot of my praying has focused on the overshadowing of God, His keeping power, and praying, Lord, keep my boys, keep them safe, keep them in your will, and uh, those kind of things. And so that, that was my original thought. Of course, tonight, to keep it short, I'm not going to go into that. I may do that next Sunday night. Because we would notice in the 8th verse, David said, keep me. And so that's, see, that's the prayer. Keep me. Keep me. And then he uses some, maybe what we might think is unusual things. And I'll just focus on uh, the colorful, figurative language that he uses as he's praying for God to keep him. And one of them, of course, is as the apple of the eye. Keep me as the apple of the eye. And so I want to address that a little bit. And then hide me, he says here, under the shadow of thy wings. Under the shadow of thy wings. And so I want us to think about those two things. And because if they're in the Word of God, I believe we ought to do the best we can to try to understand what's being said. Uh, you know, rather than just passing over things that maybe we don't understand and with a little bit of effort we might understand them a little better. So what does that mean as the apple of the eye? And we find that uh, several times in the scriptures. Uh, in the Song of Solomon, the apple is, and the apple tree is a symbol of love. And so it's something that is of extra value to us. Uh, The apple of the eye is talking about the very pupil of the eye, the, the, the very sensitive part, and something that we, uh, we would try to guard and value. And all of us value our vision. It is a wonderful blessing from God, and we need not take that for Granted, our vision, our ability to see. And of course, as you all know, one time I had this little incident where my eye, one of my eyes went out, just bang, all at once. I couldn't see anything but looked like a fog. Couldn't see people, couldn't see nothing out of one of my eyes. I didn't know what in the world was happening. And I went to an eye doctor and come to find out, I have uh, histoplasmosis uh, in that eye. And what it was, my mother worked around the barn milking cows and everything and around cats. We had a lot of cats, many cats, uh, to keep down the mouse and rat population. You know, when you have a dairy and you're milking and you're feeding and all that stuff. And what I learned was that that germ, uh, the cat is the only thing that does does not take that out when it passes uh, its... uh, uh, waste. It, it's there and pregnant women should not be around cats. Well, I didn't know that. My mom didn't know that. 
didn't know anything about that. And sometimes the child will be affected by certain things. And it can be a, affect the eyes, can affect the heart, can affect the brain. I know you think, surely, preacher, it's affected your brain. But uh, hopefully it hasn't or anything like that. But it brought uh, to me a, a reality. That doctor told me, here's what he said. He said, preacher, if that ever, I'm, we're going to get that, I have a lesion in there. And it stays there. It's been there. He told me, he said, that's happened to you before. And I said, no, no, that's never happened. He said, yes, it happened when you was a baby, probably. But anyway, he told me, he said, if you're preaching on Sunday morning and that happens to you, close your Bible, let somebody else take, uh, take over, and you get yourself to me immediately because you can totally lose your vision. That lesion is right where the optic nerve is. Well, boy, you know, that, that kind of scared me, you know, or kind of made me a, a, a extra aware of what the doctor had said about, I didn't want to lose my eye. And anyway, he told me that. And then I was preaching a revival effort in uh, uh, Lodiburg, Kentucky. I don't know whether you know where that is, but I was there. And I was out in, uh, behind the church shooting basketball with the pastor, and it happened again. Well, I didn't tell him I got to go. I finished up that meeting. I just, Lord, you got this. And then I went, and, and of course, uh, at the time, they could only cure that by large doses of steroids and stuff. But anyway, it hadn't happened to me since. But I think about that every once in a while. If I'm in the garage working on something, I'm going to be sure to have my safety glasses on. Because, boy, I don't want to lose the other eye and then end up losing that one. And so it may be uh, aware. This, this thing that the psalmist is saying, that's something of extreme value to us, our vision, and protecting our eyes. You know, we do that just automatically, automatically. There's something interesting that is stated in the 94th Psalm, and I'll turn over there and read that for you. Psalms 94, and in verse number 9, here's what it says. He that planteth the ear, this is God, shall he not hear? In other words, he said, I created the ear, you know I'm going to hear. And then he says, he that formed the eye, shall he not see? So God created our eyes. Folks, I want you to know, it wasn't an evolutionary thing. We didn't come about some, such a miraculous thing as our ability to see as a result of evolution. Let me share some things about the eye. Some of these things I don't understand, but this is what, what I found. Uh, the eyes have, there's two million functioning parts of the eye. Can you imagine that? Two million functioning parts. It can process 36,000 bits of information every hour. Uh, it can set in motion hundreds of muscles and organs in the body, the eye to the brain and the brain to the muscle. Have you ever, have you ever had something maybe just to fly towards you and fly in, towards your face and you have this reflex? You know, it's, it's fast. I mean, it's lightning fast, the reflex. We didn't have to stop and think about it. We didn't have to say, something is coming toward me. No, we just automatically do that. 
That's the eye to the brain and the brain to the muscles in our body. The muscles in the eye are a hundred times, they say, more powerful than they need to be. Imagine that. A hundred times more powerful than they need to be. They can function at a hundred percent ability at all times. The eyes are amazing. Now I could probably find more stuff like that and share it with you. But when God says the apple of the eye, when the Bible says that, we need to think about we need to think about that. And uh, the eye is tender, and we want to protect it. It's just automatic for us to do that. And so it it is something that is special. In Deuteronomy, uh, I'm going to turn back here to chapter 32 of the book of Deuteronomy and share with you a passage. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 10. Uh, And it says this of Israel. Uh, It says in verse 9, For the Lord's portion is His people. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not. But that is how God feels about His people. Uh, Jake uh, says his uh, the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob is a lot of His inheritance. He says in verse 10, He found him in a desert land and in a waste howling wilderness, and He led him about. He instructed him and kept him as the apple of His eye. That's from God. So the Bible's already saying that this is something that is special to Him. You know, we, we ought to think more about that. That I'm one of His. You know, I think about that often. It's, it's beyond me that He loved me. Even that He loved me. Much less He loved me enough to suffer and take upon Himself the penalty of my sin so that I could be saved. I think we take that for granted as Christians if we're not careful. That He loved me. And then... One day, many, many years ago, I discovered that He loved me with an everlasting love. He loved me forever. There, It just blowed my mind, you know. And I think that might be one of the things that... You say, Preacher, what inspires you? Well, we sing that uh, song every time we have the Lord's Supper. We sing that song that says, Redeeming Love has been my theme and shall be till I die. You know, that's personal to me. I believe in it. I really believe in it. And I, I, I thank the Lord for that wonderful thought, is redeeming love has been my theme. And then I'll share with you another one. This is in uh, Proverbs in chapter 7 and verse number 2. Number 1 says, My son, keep my word, words and lay up my commandment with thee. Keep my commandments, and live in my law as the apple of thine eye. Oh my goodness, what kind of difference would it make if we had that attitude toward the Word of God? That it ought to be as precious to us as we are to the Lord. That's what the Bible is saying when it says that. You might think that's an unusual way to say it, but that's, that's the way the Scriptures bear that out. And we ought to feel that way toward, uh, the, toward His Word. In Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, He that toucheth you, 
touchest the apple of his eye. Isn't that awesome? That is God watching over his people, amen? And I'm afraid sometimes we just don't focus on that and focus on it enough. What a wonderful thing that is that God watches over his people. Something that is greatly treasured. And uh, we can understand that a little bit about our own eye and our own vision. But that's what the Bible's talking about. Can you imagine that? I want you to know tonight, if you're saved by the grace of God, you are the apple of His eye. You say, well, I don't deserve it. I know you don't, and neither do I. I'm not worthy of the least of His blessings, and I know that. I know that. That's why I think I'm so thankful for what He does and has done for me. I'm so thankful for that because I know He's not doing that for everybody. He's not watching over everybody. We would be wrong if we tried to think that's God's attitude toward every single person in this world. It's not. The Bible's pretty clear about that. He's chosen a people for His own. And they're precious. We don't understand why. We don't understand why. I can't understand why He loved me. But I'm glad He did. I'm glad He did. And I give Him the glory and Him the credit for anything and everything in my own life. Then I want to mention just one more thing. And uh, that is what He says here in this 8th verse. Keep me as apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of Thy wing. Now we know that that God is spirit. God isn't a spirit. If He was a spirit, He would not be omnipresent. And that just blows our mind to think about God being everywhere at the same time. And the reason that He is is because He is spirit. He is spirit. The Bible tells us that. And so we would think, well, God don't have wings. No, God, if God chose to have wings, He could. But He's, this is another one of those terms to maybe help us to understand. You know, a little more about what God is saying when He says this. Listen to what Jesus said, talking about that. And I'm going to read, this is in Matthew 23 and verse 37. You don't have to turn to it, you can just... Listen to what it says. Jesus was speaking, and He said in the 37th verse, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stoneth them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. You see, Jesus used that terminology when He was talking about that. And the Bible says this in the 91st Psalm and the first few verses He says, beginning verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret places of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Think about that. Under the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, When I read that verse earlier, I thought about my brother, my brother Randall, he's a farmer, and he is allergic to the sun. 
uh, I guess it's allergic or he has a real problem. And his tractors have to have hoods on them or he has to use them when uh, he's got, I think, three, but he has to, he has to use them with the hood when he's... Uh, and he, if you see him out, he's always got a great big giant hat on his head. And he can't hardly stand to be in the sun. I think maybe he might have had a, a, a light stroke, sunstroke or something at one time. But under the shadow, my brother Randall stays under the shadow <laughs> all the time. But I don't know whether he thinks about the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snares of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. And listen to this verse, verse number 4. He shall cover thee with His feathers. Have you ever thought about God having feathers? Well, this is... uh, uh, This is figurative language, of course. And under the wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And thou shalt not be afraid, it goes on to say. And so, just actually uh, living our lives under a shadow. God's oversight and protection of our lives. Aren't you thankful tonight the Bible talks about that in this unusual way? I, I, I was blessed in a lot of ways growing up. I share some of that with you occasionally and probably more than you can hardly tolerate, but I do. I do. So all growing up, there was always chickens everywhere. Always. All in the yard, all places they shouldn't be on the porch or whatever, chickens, just chickens everywhere. And so many times I have seen old hen hatch out a bunch of little ones and go around clucking to them, talking to them, find them something to eat. They have a certain sound that they make. And then if something happened to fly over, maybe a buzzard or something, but the shadow go over and that old hen will let out a big squall, it's a, a serious call, them little chickens will come running and they'll jump up under her and she'll have them all up under her. She's protecting them little chickens. This is something of the way God does us. We can flee to His sheltering wings in life. Aren't you thankful for that? That is such an awesome truth and shared with us in this verse in such a simple, down-to-earth way. That's that's God's attitude toward His people. Father, we thank and praise You now for the opportunity to look at this verse and look at these figurative things that You use under Your inspiration uh, to teach us something about Your keeping power and watch care over us. Lord, help us not to take that for granted. Help us to always be thankful for the least of your blessings that you bestow upon us. You're so good to us. You bless us so. We need to count our blessings every day. And we need to express our thanks and our glory to you. And we need to be ready at every opportunity to do what you want us to do for your honor and for your glory. Now bless us as we sing this closing number. 
If there are uh, things that you've laid on anybody's heart they need to respond to, we pray this might be the time when that would happen. And we'll give you the praise always. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me now as Ronnie leads us in this closing number?